This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So, I hear some news about you picked up a new game yesterday. I did. I went to our local retro gaming store, one of our local retro gaming stores called Price Busters, and um, was looking through, you know, all the SNES and N64 games. Uh, found some that I liked that were a little too expensive for my taste, some that I can't believe are being sold, which one being Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, which I uh, <laughs> reviewed recently on this podcast. I was going to say, before you go on, I just wanted to say I enjoyed thoroughly the picture that you sent me. <laughs> uh, I wanted to post it on the Instagram, but I was like, I probably shouldn't. It's basically oh, me have. giving the middle finger to the Pac-Man 2 <laughs> cartridge. Uh, it made me laugh out loud. You should have put it on the Instagram. That's kind of a, a staple of what I do. If I see something that I don't like, whether it be like a game or a movie, I take a picture <laughs> of myself giving the middle finger to it, and I send it to people, and they think it's funny. But no, anyway, on a more positive note, I found a Nintendo 64 game, which I've been looking for for quite a while, and actually found it for a very reasonable price, and that would be... Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, oh. one of the first N64 games, found it in in good condition. Like, it's not mint, but it's still in really good condition for only $7. Wow. I saw it, I immediately scooped it up, and I said, I am getting this. Oh, I would have, too. I don't even have a Nintendo 64, and I would have bought that. Yeah, I was shocked, because I even told the guy, you know, at the checkout, I was like, do you guys get this game in very often? And he's like, no, honestly, I'm surprised we even have it. And even for that kind of price, I was like, I cannot beat this. Because I like Price Busters, but a lot of their stuff is really expensive. But that one, I could not pass up. And I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I am excited to do that. And um, that's actually a good segue to something I was going to mention at the end of the show, but I'll go ahead and do it now. Um, starting next week, I'm going to be reviewing uh, some N64 games. I actually went to the Nerd Cave Facebook page to uh, ask everyone what would be the first game that I should review for the N64. And overwhelmingly, it was the very first N64 game, Super Mario 64. So I will be reviewing that next week. Great. And actually, uh, I'll be breaking format too to, on tonight's show because... Uh, like I talked about on last week's show, I actually picked up a game that I've been searching for for years uh, called Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and I'm going to be reviewing it tonight. And um, I think probably the next review that I have, uh, there was someone um, on the Facebook page uh, put up a picture of NARC, so I think I will review NARC 
for the original Nintendo Entertainment System on my next review show. And then after that will be the month of June. And I think I'm going to be reviewing Super Nintendo games myself on nice. through the month of June. We're uh, we're moving a little forward in, yeah. uh, in the time frame here. You'll be moving up a console. I'll be moving up a console. Yeah, because I got a couple of games that I want to review, and uh, I think that'll be fun to do for June. Do a little, do a little something different. Yeah, I, I think you know, shaking things up a little bit is always a good thing. But if you want to, we can go ahead and move into news for this week. Let's do it. And this comes to us from RetroCollect.com. Nintendo NES Classic Battletoads gets a four-player cooperative ROM hack. From prank phone calls to notorious rants and, of course, nostalgic gameplay, Battletoads is one of the most memorable Nintendo NES games to ever see a release. Although the game is anything but a breeze, the addition of cooperative multiplayer gameplay was a stroke of genius from Rare, something ROM hackers have just upgraded by adding an uh, compatibility for up to four players simultaneously. As ambitious as this new development is, it's safe to say that the Nintendo NES gets pushed to its absolute limits with the addition of two more Toads entering the fray. Although there will be occasional bit of slowdown and what appears to be one Toad changing color upon every level, uh, this ROM hack offers a whole new experience for retro gamers wanting to host a multiplayer marathon. Um, and I don't know if you saw the the actual YouTube video of this. I this looks like chaos to me. <laughs> it did. Yes, it did. Um, it would be fun to do, but yeah. yeah, it would be absolute chaos. It'd be really fun, but I don't like the whole level, the second level of the game when you're on the little bike and you're going through the the tunnel. Not the second, I think it's the third level of the game when you're going through the tunnel on the little air bike or whatever. How would you get through that part with four people? I did, that just I don't even see that happening. It's this might be kind of crazy of two. me to say, but I have never played Battletoads before. Really? I've heard great things about it, and I think it's honestly a franchise that should be brought back. Oh, yeah. But no, well, I've never played Battletoads. Well, Battletoads, I remember, is probably... I never bought it. I never owned it, but I did rent it a lot. But I, it was one of the last really big releases. I mean, this is just from straight memory. I don't know if this is true or not, but to me, this was the last big um, release for the Nintendo before the Super Nintendo came out. Or hell, this could even been at the beginning of the Super Nintendo. But I remember Battletoads got a really huge push in marketing. And um, I played it, and it was one of those games I never quite bought it because I would always rent it and never could get past the third level. With the, um, I may have gotten past it once, um, but it's one of those games. It's really super fun, but it it's ridiculously hard. Like it makes it makes Ninja Gaiden look like a child's game. It's so hard. Wow. It's ridiculously hard. I, w I would say go to YouTube. There are plenty of playthroughs on Battletoads, especially check out the one by Cinemassacre that they did. I think they did a run of it on uh, James and Mike Mondays. Um, but yeah, go check it out. This game's really fun, but get ready to be um, frustrated at every turn. 
Yeah, that's the main story that I've heard from anybody who's played Battletoads is that it's a ridiculously hard game. And, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it always reminded me of Ninja Turtles in a way. Oh, yeah. Except well, with frogs. Yeah, it was a direct but, kind of ripoff um, of the Ninja Turtles, basically. Yeah, it was funny as in the Ninja Turtles, they actually had um, frogs, like mutant frogs. Yeah. And that also kind of reminded me of the Battletoads from, you know, the cartoon. Um, it'd be a game, you know, I would love to try out. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about it. I remember it being featured in Nintendo Power mm-hmm. uh, back in the early days. But, you know, I always like hearing stories that, that someone's, you know, hacked an old game and, and has added a new element to it. Oh, yeah. Even though it does look very chaotic. <laughs> but I could say the same thing about, you know, the new Super Mario Brothers games. I think the one for the Wii or the Wii U, it's a four-player co-op. And that is absolute chaos. Yeah. It's fun chaos, but it's still chaos. So I, I could see it being the same with Battletoads. Yeah, I, I, because the thing about this game is if one player dies, the other player doesn't get to get, get to keep going. It starts over, like the whole level starts over if one person mm-hmm. dies. So it's not a fair game by any stretch of the imagination. No. No, but that does look pretty cool, though. Something else that's cool, The this also comes to us from RetroCollect.com. Super Nintendo Brawler Iron Commando cartridge re-release nears funding target on Indiegogo. In 1995, the belt-scrolling brawler Iron Commando smashed on the Super Famicom, although packing quite the punch and satisfying fans of the genre. It's safe to say the game arrived a little too late to impress those who had seen it all with the Final Fight series. Whilst remaining a Japanese exclusive for quite some time, the Neo Retro publisher Pico Interactive acquired the rights to the game last year and has begun closing in on funding for the game's re-release on cartridge. Alongside this re-release comes another familiar superintendent title known as Legend, uh, so on and so forth. Um, with, there's three days left of the Indiegogo campaign. Just over two grand is missing from their target. Retro gamers wanting something new to battle through should look no further. Uh, there's a YouTube video attached to this. Uh, it's like an hour and 15 minutes of gameplay. I <laughs> skimmed through a little bit of it. It, it reminds me of your typical side-scroller beat-em-up game that you would have played for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Um, this looks a lot like Final Fight to me. So I would love to get in on this, but I, I just I don't have the money <laughs> to throw yeah. at it right now. But um, but this would be cool. You know, anybody that listening to this, if if the Indiegogo campaign is still going and you're interested in the side scrolling, you know, beat up genre and you still have your uh, Super Nintendo, go get in on this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, I mean, it looks fun. It looks like something I would have played for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. But like you, I you know, don't really have the money to uh, to give like a huge amount to them right now. Yeah, it looks really fun though. But I'm a huge fan of the the side scrolling beat 'em up. So this is this is completely right up my alley. And like we've said before, releasing it, you know, on a cartridge is oh, just yeah. awesome. I know. Even the they even have the box um yeah. on the picture here and I'm just like, "Oh, I want that so badly." I love those Super Nintendo cartridges. Yeah. Oh, man, me too. I miss cartridges. <laughs> I do too. I was kind of hoping that the Switch would have those. Oh yeah, that would be cool. But they got the little micro SD cards. Yeah. 
but also from this comes from funstockretro.co.uk and I'm not sure how real this story is. I think this is probably just a rumor, but I wanted to bring it up on here anyway cuz this this would be cool if this actually happened. Uh Contra is getting a live action movie. It says for some of us Contra Contra gave us the first taste of intense and action-packed gameplay filled with a level of testosterone only found back in the day. It's undoubtedly one of the best run and gun games ever made. Considering they replicated the looks of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone on the box art for the game, it would only make sense to make a movie about it. Well, back then it was when it was released anyway. Now, well, it's time. And now it's some odd timing for sure, but we're getting a Contra movie after so long. Uh, it somewhat feels like the wealth of things that have yet to be made into a movie is starting to get quite dry, given the likes of recently released Power Rangers and Ghost in the Shell. It shouldn't be too long until we end up with getting a Mr. Blobby movie. Contra is just the latest offering, but who's making it? Did Konami just suddenly decide to put all their eggs in one basket and bank on their well-loved run-and-gun title? Not so much. China is taking the project on. So this looks like it's getting made in China, which if they do this, then is this going to be in, uh, are they going to make it uh, an American style movie or is it going to be subtitled? That's kind of my question about the whole thing. That's what I was thinking too. It sounds like it could be true, but I could see it as one of those, you know, just rumor reports that make it sound like it's true. Yeah. It would be interesting. Like, I, I would wonder what type of style they would make it. I mean, I would love if they maybe did it just like an 80s action movie. I don't think they would do that, but I think that would be the route I would go. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we all know how most video game to film adaptions have turned out. Well, I think if you're going to do something like Contra, you have to go in whole hog and make it completely over the top. Just ridiculously over the top. Yeah. That's the only no, way I, that, I that it's going to... That it, I mean, it, nobody's looking at Contra and, and being like, oh, this is some serious cinema. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Some real Academy Award winning stuff yeah. here. <laughs> but I don't no, know. But I, no, you're right. They just need to accept it for what it is. Exactly. And just go all in with it. <clears throat> but like I said, this is probably a bunch of crap, but I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was actually kind of interesting. Like, what if a Contra movie actually was made? It'll be interesting to follow <laughs> that story for sure. Because if it did take off and it did do well, it would bring the Contra series like back to the forefront in gaming. That would be fun. I've said this multiple times with video game to movie adaptations. We just need one good one. Yeah. To open the floodgates. And wouldn't it be funny if Contra was the one? I think that would be amazing. That would I be would so love awesome. <laughs> I would laugh so hard, but I would love it. Yeah. But uh, moving on, let's go into this month in gaming history. <laughs> In May of 1983, Sega releases Astron Belt in the Japanese market, the first Laserdisc video game. It uses pre-rendered, computer-animated film footage as backdrops, 
overlaid with sprite graphics. Have you ever heard of Astron Belt? I have not. No, I was I looking the, at it a little bit before we started. See, I thought the first game to uh, to use Laserdisc software was Dragon's Lair, but apparently not. Uh, that newfangled invention, Laserdisc. Yeah, <laughs> the size of an actual record. You know, I've only seen a Laserdisc like a handful of times, and I was just like, wow, this was actually a thing. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, it's kind of fun to find laser discs now because, you know, they were the size of an actual LP record and mm -hmm. the, you know, the box art's really cool. I actually have a friend of mine that's got a lot of laser disc, like he collects them and he's got like the, um, all the Indiana Jones movies and like some other ones. And they're just really cool to look at because it's like, it's such a big thing. You know, it's not like a little DVD case or a VHS. It's like it's the size of a record. Now, with Laserdisc, did it work like DVDs where you could skip ahead or was it like a VHS where you had to fast forward and rewind manually? Um, I think it was more like a VHS where you had to where you could fast forward it. But the thing was, is uh, all the movies were on both sides. So you had to play side one, you'd get halfway through the movie and then you'd have to flip it and play the last half of the movie. Oh, wow. Interesting. I've never really known how laser discs work. Yeah. Well, there were laser discs and then there was something else that was kind of like a, a giant floppy disc cartridge. And I don't remember what those were. Interesting. Um, I can't remember the name of those things. And I would like do a Google search, but what do I even put in? <laughs> Giant floppy disk. Um, giant floppy. <laughs> Take off safe search. <laughs> uh, this has right. now become Nerd Cave Retro After Dark. Uh, giant Let's floppy. See. Um, video disks. That's what they were doll. called. Yeah, they were called video disks. And actually, if you Google that, um, one of the top three images, or there's a video uh, on YouTube. It's the 80s RCA video disc player. It's a YouTube video. And these things look like giant floppy disks. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. Huh. I did not know those existed. Yeah, that was a short-lived uh, media device. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. I like that. See, in May 27th, 1986, Enix releases Dragon Quest for the Famicom, which is usually considered the foremost Japanese RPG game and is the first game in a series that has been phenomenally successful in Japan. Um, I'm aware of the Dragon Quest franchise. I've never played a Dragon Quest game, but I do know that they have a, uh, a fairly big following and they're still making games today. Yeah, well, I actually have Dragon Warrior, which is the um, the the American version of Dragon Quest. Uh, I tried mm -hmm. to play it, um, but it's not that it's bad. It's just it, it, it. I need to have a little time to be able to put into it because it's not, you know, it's not a jump in and play type of game. It's something I've really got to immerse myself into. So mm -hmm. I'd like to do a review of it one week. Um, but yeah, it was actually called Dragon Quest here in America. And um, I think they they might still be making them, but I know they got all the way up to three on the actual uh, Nintendo. So 
And I know for the actual Dragon Quest games, they're like you said, they're up to like 10, 11, somewhere around there now. Let's see. The last game that came out was Dragon Quest Heroes 2, released on May 27th of last year. And they already have Dragon Quest Eleven in development, which will come out this year for PS4, 3DS, and the Switch. So they're still making these things, man. <laughs> and you got to give them credit for that. I mean, that's it's great. It's going to be on 31 years franchise. Wow. That's crazy. How many other franchises have been around that long besides the big ones like you know Mario and uh, Zelda? I mean, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. And you don't hear about it that often. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a subgenre of video gaming, that whole Dragon Quest, you know, Dragon Warrior thing. But I don't know. It's been around a long time, so apparently it's pretty popular. I had props to them for still going strong. Oh, yeah. In uh, May of 1989, Sega releases Golden Axe, the first game in the Golden Axe series. Uh, have you ever played Golden Axe for the Mega Drive? I have not, but I do recognize it. Um, yeah, it I do recognize the um, the cover art. I remember I, seeing that yeah. in stores. I never actually played this on the Sega because I, I didn't really have access to one, but I did play this a lot in the arcade, um, and I always played the dwarf with the axe. That was my favorite character to play. Looks like something that belongs in the He-Man universe. Oh, yeah. It's completely, like, ripped off of the whole He-Man, um, Beastmaster kind of, you know, like, taking, like, uh, what is it? Uh, like, everything J.R.R. Tolkien-esque um, yeah. landscape, um, Dungeons and Dragons, like, all that rolled into one. And on the cover art, they have the Sega Mega Drive logo covering the dragon's face. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That kind of bothers me. <laughs> I don't remember this box art. I, I think this was the European box art. Uh, it is. This is not the box art that I actually remember from it. Let's see. Golden Axe box art. Yeah, let me Google it real quick. Let's see, Golden Axe for, yeah, I recognize this art from the Genesis. It's got the dragon eyes in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's got your hero in the foreground. Yeah, this one I recognize. Yeah, whoever designed that European box art, that's, a, that's like a, you know, <laughs> graphic making 101. Don't yeah. cover the faces. <laughs> it looks almost like um one of the, you know, the romance novels. <laughs> I mean, all you got to do is just take that whole picture and lower it just a little bit. Yeah. Add a little more sky, mm -hmm. and you're good to go. I don't think they were thinking about those things back then. Probably not. Have you, I mean, since you're, you know, doing movies now, and you've been doing, you know, graphic work for a while, do you pick up on little things like continuity errors or things like that that just bug the hell out of you? Oh, yeah. I catch continuity errors and stuff all the time now. It's actually, it's like anything else that you really get into. And, and this is, doesn't just involve movies. I mean, this is about anything. Anything that anybody wants to do or, or learn about, once you kind of get into something and you learn how the sausage is made, it almost kind of ruins it for you. It does. It really does. Because like last night I was watching the movie The Founder, 
with uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, it tells the story of how McDonald's became the giant corporation slash empire that it yeah. is. And it starts with Michael Keaton's character who goes to the first ever McDonald's in California. He's ordering his food. He gets it, you know, really quickly. And he is like, wait, it, you know, I've already got my food. Cause this was like in the era of drive-ins where it took you like 20 or 30 minutes to get your food. Yeah. So the shot is of, you know, it's looking out of the restaurant at Michael Keaton. There are two windows. There's a left one where another kid is. And then there's Michael Keaton on the right. And then it cuts to him like it cuts to like a side shot of him outside the restaurant. Then it cuts back to that same shot and Michael Keaton's on the left side <laughs> and not the right. And he walks away and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what what did you do? You would think all they would have to do is just reverse the film. Yeah. Because that's I, probably I don't see what how they the did. editors didn't catch that. Yeah, they probably when I, like how do you maybe they filmed them on different days or something like that like i don't understand how stuff like that gets messed up yeah i'm not sure either i'd love to find out though it's weird yeah but last bit of news for this month in video game history on may 3rd 1994 epic mega games releases jazz jackrabbit a console style animal with attitude platformer <laughs> <laughs> I actually recognize this character. I never I, played any of the games, but I do recognize like the the artwork of this character now that I'm looking at it. I have zero recollection of this at all. It's let's see, it's a science fiction parody of the fable The Tortoise and the Hare. Ah. Interesting. Looks like this might have been an attempt to create some type of animal mascot to compete with, you know, Mario and Sonic. Yeah, and the box art actually looks like a little kid uh, drew it with crayons <laughs> or yeah. colored pencils. So it doesn't really capture my imagination to actually want to play this. Yeah, I totally agree. I just remember, where did I see this? I saw this somewhere before. I don't know if it was in another gaming magazine or what, but I have a recollection of seeing this character. Oh, Who no. knows? But it's probably best that I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that does it for this month in video game history. And something that you should remember to do for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as Jason mentioned at the top of the show, they have over 180 thousand titles to choose from that's quite a few books oh yeah and i'm gonna suggest that look everybody out there if you haven't read the books the the dark tower is going to be released in august so you got three months before this movie comes out at least familiarize yourself with with the story so go to audible use our code get uh the dark tower uh one the gunslinger and take a listen. I will suggest, uh, this is a book that I just recently started listening to. I'm very, very briefly into it. It's not one that you would think I downloaded the new Neil deGrasse Tyson book, oh. astrophysicist for people in a hurry. 
And it's something that, you know, we, for some reason at work, we talk about astrophysics and (laughs) it was something that, you know, that I've kind of been, you know, just listening to other people talk about. So I'm like, you know what, this new book's out and it's only like three and a half hours long. So I'll just read it. You know, why, why not? I mean, you've got plenty of choices to choose from. Uh, that you can use your free trial on. Um, you know, they've got Star Wars, Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect, romance, science fiction, nonfiction, autobiographies. If you enjoy any type of genre, Audible has it. And if you're on the go like I am all the time, then Audible is a great, great app to download. And to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. Fantastic. So you know what? I already said it at the beginning of the show when I'm going to be uh, reviewing this week. So here's a little taste of the music. Oh yeah, that music can only mean one thing. The Legend of the Mystical Ninja by Konami. Released in 1991 for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System is a light-hearted action-adventure game for one to two players. Uh, It is the first game in the Japanese video game series Ganbare Goemon to have a Western release. Um, and the thing about this, uh, this game is it's based on a lot of Japanese folklore. And I guess um, because of the American release, the actual Japanese release of this game is called Ganbari Goemon, uh, colon, Yukihime Kyoshuchu Emaki. <laughs> and I guess they needed to change that to come to America to be the legend of the mystical ninja. And they changed his name from Gunbari Goemon to Kid Yang or Kid Ying and his uh, the two player partner in the game to Kid uh, Dr. Yang. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, in your two Game Boy versions of Mystical Ninja starring going on release, one was, a, one was a standalone game and the other was part of Konami GB Collection Volume 3. Uh, although both play both characters have different weapons and learn different attacks, they are functionally identical. Their primary short-range weapons have three levels and are improved in range by acquiring great cats left by defeated enemies. You can also learn judo abilities, which are functionally identical between the two characters. Um, you can get like uh, you can an animal companion that you can ride. Um, you, uh, damage that. An attack that re- damages all enemies on screen. Uh, you can fly temporarily. Um, and each stage is known as a Warlock Zone. And I am currently in Warlock Zone 5. And I've been playing the game for about 4 to 5 hours now. And the way the game is played is it reminds me... I mean, it's not open world like Legend of Zelda is. But there are two main uh, kind of parts to the game. There is the three-fourths perspective when you're in the towns which is kind of the overworld and there are in the towns there's all kind of things that you can do there are shops you can go into where you can buy upgrades and armor you can um you can go to arcades where you can actually play a lot of mini games like you can play gradius 
uh, air hockey, um, dice games, memorization games. Uh, and they're all really fun. The one that I hate is the maze. I always skip those. So you get this game and you go into the hut that there's a maze. And he says that you can find uh, cool items in the maze. Don't do it because it's awful. I hate that part of the game. Uh, there's also like travel agencies that you go to to travel from place to place. And one of the my biggest gripes about this game, and I talked about it last week, there are parts of the game where you go in and you create a diary. And when you do this, you get a, um, a, a password a password because there's no save feature in the game. And in order to save the game, you actually got to search the town to find this diary place to get your password. And the passwords are ridiculously long. And it's it's not so bad these days because you can just take a quick shot of the screen with your phone. But mm -hmm. when I was a kid, you had to actually had to write this stuff down. And it's a mix of numbers, uppercase letters, lowercase letters, and symbols. So yeah, and and it's not just normal symbols either. It's like, you know, you got like a triangle, like a triangle and uh, you know, colons, semicolons and like little squiggly lines and plus signs and equal signs and like all different kind of stuff. So you had to make sure you got your you wrote down your password correctly to go back to where you were. And I'm just thinking, you know, this game was released in what year was this? 1991 it was released and we were well beyond passwords at this point i mean we had the technology for battery saves and for a game this long why would you not include a, a battery backup system is just it, i i don't i i don't even have an answer for that i can't even speculate other than you know were they trying to save money I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, to me, there's just no excuse for that. For any type of Super Nintendo game onward, you got to have a save feature. Yeah, especially for an, a game that is at least a quarter of, you know, I would say a quarter of this game is RPG. You know, yeah. A lot of role-playing elements in this game. And to do that and not have a save system is almost uh just it's an un yeah unforgivable un inexcusable you know you should have seriously thought this out konami before releasing this game that kind of switching gears to like the positive stuff what what is it about this game that makes you love it so much the the fluidity of the movements the uh, just the Everything about this game, the the playability, you know, the hit detection, the 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 physics of the game, the different gameplay styles, and one of the biggest things I love about this game and I know this is going to sound weird, but you know, when I was a kid back in the 80s and stuff, and this game came out in the early 90s, here in the western world, we didn't know a whole lot about eastern culture. Like right. we we got it in movies, and the most that we knew about Eastern culture was, you know, kung fu movies and thing like things like that. Like we didn't know a whole lot of culture or type stuff from like Japan or China, places you know in the East. So 
when I played this game, this is the game that got me interested in learning about Japanese culture. Uh, and I really delved into Japanese culture for a while, almost to the point where I was actually looking into going to Japan and being uh, an English teacher. And that's what I started in college to be was an English teacher so that I could go to Japan and be a teacher. Wow. That's what this game did for me back in the 90s. It influenced me so much. Well, that kind of that actually you'd say it's responsible for steering your life in a certain direction. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it, it was just the way it was presented. Like, I, and I, I don't think it would have that kind of power over me today if I had never played it. But as mm -hmm. you know, a, a fourteen-year-old or thirteen, when however old I was when this game came out, you know, it really captured my imagination in a big way. Well, that's awesome. And uh, like I said, that you know, this game, my favorite game for the Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo is still Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. This mm -hmm. is the close second for that system. I love this game so much, and all I ever did was rent it. I don't know why I never bought this game. And starting in the early two thousands, when I started to get interested in buying games for the super nintendo and the nintendo and you got to remember back in 2001 these games were still not that old at that time mm -hmm. um so i would try to find this game at the, at the video game stores and you couldn't find it anywhere so and then i kind of got back out of collecting and stuff like that and every once in a while over the next couple of years i would go to a retro store or a video game store and, and this would be one of the games that i would look for and then really started to ramp up my um you know search for this game and when i started playing retro games again last year year before whenever i started and this has been the top game that i've been looking for and finally found it and i had lost a lot of ebay auctions over the last year or two trying to get a copy of this game and when i finally found it i had to have it and it's a good thing you did. Like it, it's always good hearing you know, people finding their, as, as I've said multiple times on the show, their great white buffalo. Oh yeah, I mean this was this was my rosebud, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rosebud. <laughs> but this game is so good, and like I said, don't let the you know don't let the the lack of a save system keep you from playing this game or picking it up if you find it because it's. Like I said, in today's world, you can just take a quick snapshot with your phone of the screen, and it and you know, it doesn't take that long to put the the code in. You know, it's kind of cumbersome, but you know, it's it's not as easy as just having a a, a save file. You know, a la Legend of Zelda or you know, hell, even uh, uh, Super Mario World had a save feature. I mean, come on. Yeah. Almost every single Super Nintendo game had a save feature. Even crappy ones had a save feature. I mean, come on, Konami. What are you thinking when you ported this game over to America? I mean, this is a really long game, and you didn't put a save feature in it. It's like, I just want to slap someone. Which, despite that, I mean, the game got some really good reviews. Uh, Superplay said it was still one of the best games for the system, mixing RPG adventure-style wandering with side-on platform action. 
mm-hmm. wonderful music, beautifully drawn graphics, and is a supremely addictive challenge. And in 2010, it was included as one of the titles in the book 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die. And GamesRadar ranked it as the 45th best SNES game for its stellar ancient Japan-inspired soundtrack, beautiful graphics, and just enough challenge to make it a very addictive affair. So it it, it got good reviews when it came out. Yeah, and it says also it's not breaking down any barriers for platforming or RPGs, but it's definitely one of the top games of the of the SNES. And I'm gonna that's that's pretty much what I'm gonna say about it. I mean, as far as one of the best games you can get for the SNES, I mean, this game has everything. It's a little bit of everything. It's not quite a hardcore RPG. It's not. You know, it's mostly uh, a 2D platform, or it's, yeah, you've you've got your overworld section, which is the three-fourth view, you know, the town area, but then you go and to fight the boss of the area is when you enter into a temple, and then you go into a 2D side-scroller, and there's really interesting, uh, you know, physics and things that you've got to do. Uh, you have to deal with in the, the 2D parts where they really take make use of the Mode Seven graphics for the uh, that was so big on the Super Nintendo. It's a really interesting game, and I highly recommend it. You know, out of ten, I give this a nine and a half. If it wow. would have had save feature, this would be a perfect ten, and it would be my favorite game for the Super Nintendo. the The lack of a save feature is what hurts it the most. That's a hell of a lot of praise, a nine and a half. I tell you, I've been playing the hell out of this game all week. I can't stop playing it. I was actually going to play and review NARC this week, but I'm like, how can I do that when I can't stop playing this game? It would have been funny if like, I had to do the show solo. I was like, yeah, Jason was going to review Legend of the Mystical Ninja, but he actually can't stop playing it. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to do a solo show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually wanted to try and beat this before before um, reviewing it. But like I said, I've been playing it for roughly, you know, put five hours into it now since I got it. Now, I've only gotten to play it for for two play sessions because play sessions because I've been so busy all week. Um, but, you know, I'm only and warlock zone five and i don't even know how many more zones there are this is the farthest i've ever been in the game uh even back in when i was a kid and i used to rent it i'm seeing stuff i never seen before and i have no idea how much more i have to go that's the beauty of it though and there it's such a cool game man like especially there's so much stuff to do and especially with the mini games and things like that i mean this game is worth I there was a $37 price tag on this game when I got it, but I had put in I, I had some store credit. So I actually ended up walking away f- with this game for 20 bucks where it would have even been worth the 37 to pay for it. This game is worth every penny. Oh, yeah, with a game that you've been looking for, especially that long, you know, even if you've got to pay a little more than maybe you would like, it, it's it's worth it. Oh, yeah. With with certain games, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah, and there's only maybe a handful of games that I still want to get for the Super Nintendo, and this was definitely the top one. And 
Um, I'd love to talk about it with you if you could get your hands on a copy or at least play like a, you know, a, a like an emulator. Co- yeah, an emulator copy of it because I would love to know what you think about this game and if you would like it as much as I do. Um, but apparently there, there's a lot of people out there, you know, I've been looking at a lot of YouTube videos about this game and there's a lot of people out there that praise and love this game. I'm looking at the releases on the Wikipedia page It's actually available on both the Wii and the Wii U virtual console. And I do have both of those. So if if I could very well just download it. Yeah. If you have a, a Wii or a Wii U and you're interested in this game it's worth every penny go pick it up i trust me and i'm pretty sure they have a save feature (laughs) if you get them off the the nintendo store i would hope so it's on the 3ds virtual console as well but not in the u.s which is dumb because that's That's probably what i would download it for yeah that's weird i hate when they do that it's not the 90s anymore you can release a game everywhere oh of course (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the same stuff with Netflix. Uh, yeah. Like Netflix, like in Canada, they get better movies than we do. And yeah. it pisses me off. That's something, you know, I looked on Netflix the other night. Like, I don't watch Netflix anymore. The only thing I've been watching on it is um, Mystery Science Theater. Other than that, there's nothing I want to watch anymore on Netflix. I'm excited for The Defenders when it comes out but that's yeah. kind of like my my main thing which i i just i just right now don't really have time to watch anything yeah like, I mean, there are shows i want to watch but you know i just can't yeah same here i mean i'm really just waiting on the flash to to for the season to end so i can watch last season on um netflix because it's not on hulu anymore but yeah yeah i was keeping up with flash and arrow but i'm like six or seven episodes behind so i'm thinking you know, the finale is in a couple of weeks, and I think per their new agreement, the shows will be available on Netflix, I think, eight days yeah. after the season's over. So I'm probably just going to wait until then, and then just whenever I get a little bit of a break from work, just binge it. Yeah, and guilty pleasure also, I'm waiting on Supernatural, <laughs> that 13th season or 85th season whatever they're on right now i really like that show don't ask me why i just do it's it's like it's like chocolate cake you know it's bad for you but you still like it never watch supernatural really mm-hmm. you should give it I a remember, try i remember when it started back in the day because that was it started a few years after smallville yeah because Jensen Ackles was mm-hmm. a main character in Smallville, and once his character was killed off was when they started Supernatural. Yeah, well, he actually tried out, and he auditioned for the role of Clark. Mm-hmm. So I guess then they liked him so much they made a show for him to be in. But definitely go back and start it from the beginning. I would say the first five or six seasons were really good. And then I'll admit it's getting kind of long in the tooth at this point, and they probably should have ended about five or six seasons ago, but I still can't stop watching it because I like those characters so much. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them credit for going 13 years. I remember Smallville ended at 10, Yeah, and I thought they went about four seasons too long. Imagine if Smallville went three more seasons. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about Supernatural. But like I said, I like those characters so much, I'm going to follow it to the end. 
Yeah, I, at that point, I think like, you kind of have to. You know, every season they have like the big bad, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. of course they, you know, they they prevail. And then this last season was like, you know, God and his sister they were going up against, and it's like, where do you go from there? You know, they, God like, has a sister. Yeah, the darkness. God is the light. <laughs> his sister is the darkness, and like it's like, where do you go from there? You know, like how do you like you, every season the the bat the big bads have gotten bigger and bigger until eventually you're fighting God and his sister, like where and then they have another season after that. And I'm like, what are you doing? What do you where do you go after that? God, his sister, and all the other <laughs> villains from the previous seasons <clears throat> all come back and they perf- they form their own version of the Legion of Doom. Yeah, it'd be like you know they form Voltron or something. I don't know. at this point why not but definitely do that i think you'll get into it at least give it a couple episodes give it a couple episodes and let me know what you think yeah there are several shows that you know i want to at least try because i've never watched that never watched house of cards um i still haven't watched luke cage or iron fist yet Uh, there are so many shows that i want to at least try so i'll I'll add that to the list And of course, uh, Supernatural has Jeffrey Dean Morgan <clears throat> as the uh, Winchester's dad, so it's got that going for it. Uh, then I'm already sold. Then, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, but that's gonna do it for this week. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? Um, yeah, the only thing I want to throw out there is uh, if you guys want to check out uh, this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience, my solo show, it will be part two of my roundtable discussion on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Awesome. And we get into full spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, then hold off. But if you have, definitely check it out. We get into, you know, the newer movies in the MCU, like Guardians 2, Doctor Strange, uh, what we expect from uh, Infinity War, Spider-Man Homecoming, so on and so forth. So definitely check it out. I mean, the roundtable episodes are probably my favorite to do. And uh, you know, everybody loves the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah. And go check out this uh, this week's episode of the Pop Culture Palette as well. We had Jeremy Branch from Be Terrible Movies on YouTube. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, um, on the show this week. And it was a fantastic show. We get into a huge discussion uh, about the future of YouTube and internet broadcasting and stuff. So if, they, if that kind of stuff interests you, definitely head over to the Pop Culture Palette. Uh, go to pcpradio.com. And uh, you can get us on iTunes or iTunes, Stitcher, over, uh, Overcast, um, wherever you get your podcast from. And give us a subscribe and uh, leave us a review. And also, you can do the same thing for this show. If you haven't gone to, to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and you haven't left a review yet, you don't have to write like a book or anything. Just go in there and write a couple sentences how much you like the show. And that will help us out a lot and get us in front of a lot more eyes. Absolutely. So I think that's going to do it for this week. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We can also be found at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. We're on Twitter. You can follow us uh, individually on Twitter at jfantastic at Derek underscore diamond. And I think that's going to do it. Oh, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Can't forget that one. So uh, let's go ahead and get out of here and tell them what it's about, Derek. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.
been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.